0: Good morning. morning. Praise God. I'd like to start this morning with a prayer to God. Please bow your heads. Oh dear Heavenly Father, Lord, God, you are so amazing, your love for us that is there. The free will that you give us, Lord. God, I thank you and praise you. For giving me this opportunity this morning, Lord, Lord. To speak your word. God, open our eyes to see your word in your book. Open our ears to hear your word this morning, Lord. We pray this and we ask this in Jesus' holy, precious name we pray. Amen. So if everybody remembers from last year, I do make you work. So I will ask you each time that we're going to speak or we're going to read God's Word, I'll give you the pages in the Pew Bibles. Please turn to those pages. We're going to start with reading Isaiah 46, 4 through 9. It is on page 607. Down the bottom left-hand corner, 607. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am He. I am He who will sustain you. I have made you, and I will carry you. I will sustain you, and I will save you. With whom will you compare me, or count me equal? Some pour out gold from their bags and weigh out silver on the scales. They hire a goldsmith to make it into a God, and they bow down to worship it. They lift it up to their shoulders and carry it. They set it up in its place. And there it stands. From the spot it cannot move. Even though someone cries out to it, it cannot answer. It cannot save them from their troubles. Remember this. Keep it in mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me. Wow. That is God's word to us. As we look at today and take the opportunity to look at God's word. He is wonderful. His love is amazing. And there is no one like him. But yet, we try and put so many things before him. So first thing I want to do this morning is take you a little bit ahead in time. To make it a little relevant to retirement that we're going to talk about. I want to talk about your eternal retirement. So I want to take everyone ahead a little bit of time and space. That time I want to take you forward is 100 years from now. 100 years from now, whatever age that you might be now, even if you're 13 years old, you'll be 113. Me, I would be 146. Now, the chances of even making it to 100 years old is .014. 14 out of every 1,000 people. Have the chance of even making it to be 100 years old. But as we grow through time, we talk and we look forward to our retirement. We make sure that we save for our retirement. We make sure that we start to put things aside for our retirement. But today I also want to talk about your eternal retirement. Are you fully vested in your eternal retirement? God says, I am He. He states it very clearly. I will sustain you and I will carry you. With such an incredible God, why would we ever want to turn our backs on God? He says, I will sustain you. From the beginning, I am with you. We were not put here to do it alone. We were not put here to even try to do it alone. But God also gives us free will. When we were born, we were born with a hole in our soul. Only person that can fill that hole is God. But he's he waits for us. He says, I love you. But God doesn't force himself on us. God doesn't say, you will worship me. Because if your ears have not been opened to hear and your eyes to see, and there's only one way that can happen. It's asking God to come into your heart. Asking Christ to come by your side. Pastor Rick talked about last week. Youth is wasted on the young. No. Because what is the young? What is relevant to the young? At any age, you can be the young. You can be 16 years old and be a brand new born Christian. You could be 56 years old and only be a day old a day from the day you gave your heart to god you could be 87 years old and still be a brand new christian with one day under your belt one year old one day old time is relevant Our time, we have our worldly time, and there's God's time. Two completely different things. We're always in a rush. Because there's been many times, especially in my life, I've been very impatient. I always want things to happen now, and to get it done, and receive things now, and not you know, have to continue to work over and over and over and over and over to get things done. No, I want that promotion. I deserve that promotion. But it's all in God's time. No, I've been very impatient at times. I've had wonderful people in the church to, you know, have walked up and put their arm around me and said, it's not in God's time. It's in God's time, not yours. Be patient. Because if it's not your time yet based upon what God has said for you, it's not going to happen. I said, okay. I stopped, went back to prayer, and said, God, it's in your time. What do you have planned for me in your time? And God says in the verse, I will sustain you. He is there from the beginning. How many times have you heard a parent say, I only want to protect you. I only want the best for you. I only don't want to see you make the same mistakes that I made when I was your age. I learned from those mistakes. I don't want to see you have to learn the same mistakes. But as Christians, that's what we're doing when we're talking to our friends, when we're talking to people on the street. We really just, we want the best for them. We don't want them They have to go through all the ups and downs. How many people in their testimonies came to know God through the roughest of times when you're absolutely at break bottom, absolutely rock bottom, when they're sitting in that hotel room just contemplating what's going on in life and they turn and they open that drawer and in the drawer they find the Bible. And they open the Bible to one verse it makes the whole change of their lives. That's all. If a Christian is talking to you or is talking about God, if we're talking to people in the neighborhoods about God, we're not trying to push anything on anybody. Just the incredible love that God has for all of us. We just want everybody to be able to experience that. Now I talked about retirement a little bit earlier. As we grow, we start to save. Now the younger adults have the opportunity to start to save in a 401k from the very beginning of starting to work. All businesses give you the opportunity to invest in your 401k. You know, as I like to move. But as we grow, for me, it was, I grew up in a world where you worked for one company your entire life. One company. Once you found that one company, you looked forward to a pension. You worked and you worked and you worked and you worked, and you know, as you got to this certain age, you had a pension to look forward to. Pensions went away in 1998, 1999. Every single company eliminated p- pensions. So it was no longer working for that one company, it was working for that 401k. Putting money aside in your 401k. Now, putting money aside in your 401k, could you start putting money aside in your 401k at a very young age? Well, oh, absolutely. Could you start putting money away in your 30s? Or what they used to call middle age, in your 40s? Could you start then saving for retirement then? Yes. It's your money, it's your free will to start saving for your retirement when you want it. You could wait till, you know, 50, 60 and do catch-up plans. And start putting money into your 401k as a catch-up plan but you're putting more of your earnings at that point in time. Now, one of the things the financial advisors always told us, and our bosses and the people we worked with always said, the earlier you start, the better it is for you. The more opportunity that you have for your retirement. Because they always talk about from their experience. Their experience was, hey, you know, I didn't start saving to my retirement until I was in my 40s in my 50s. And I just, it was more of a struggle. There was more of a fear. There was more of a worry. I recommend that you start early. You know, 66% of Americans believe that they are going to outlive the amount of money that they put away in their retirement. 20% of Americans never even make it to retirement age. They pass away before their retirement age even gets there. Most people have a fear. Retirement's supposed to be joyous when we don't have to get up in the morning and go to work. We're not on a routine every single day. You say, why am I talking about money and savings? Our eternal retirement is the same thing. Our eternal retirement Yes, we can wait until we're in our 70s to ask Jesus to come into our hearts and turn our lives over to God and solidify our eternal retirement in heaven. But we can also do it in our 40s. We can also do it in our 20s or 16, 15, 14. And any age, God gives us that opportunity because he gives us that free will. And that free will is he is always there. From the day we were born, God is there. But he doesn't force himself upon us. He gives us the opportunity, and he waits for us to ask him to come into our hearts to be saved. Before Christ, there was no true, showing way. You had to live the perfect life, then hope. But you never really knew. It's in many books, they talk about what is to come, the savior to come. Jesus came and gave his life for us so that we may have the opportunity of the eternal retirement. No, I remember one day at work. I was very young, probably 21, 22 years old. And was sitting there waiting for the next customer to walk through the door. As I waited for the next customer to walk through the door, all of a sudden, there was a big commotion across the street at the funeral home across the street. I was like, huh, what's going on? I asked somebody, I said, hey, what's going on? And they let me know. They said, that was a police officer. He passed away. He had a massive heart attack just after he retired just after his worldly retirements kicked in, he passed away. Even worldly retirement is short-lived. Our eternal retirement is for eternity. Once we are fully vested, once we have Christ into our lives, and we ask him into our hearts, He will always be there. And we know, as we live every single day, that we have an incredible retirement to look forward to with God. God doesn't leave anything open for judgment. He speaks many times in the Bible to not change his word because he wants his word to be very clear. So what I looked for was, he speaks of it in the beginning. Let's look back to the beginning. Page two in your Bible, Genesis 2, seven. It's in your pew Bibles, page two. Then the Lord God formed a man from dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being that's pretty clear from the beginning God talks about from the beginning I am with you from the absolute beginning of man he has been with us and has given us that opportunity Isaiah 6, 7. Gold, what is gold? Gold is pavement. You know, Pastor Rick brought it up in a past sermon. He talked about this, you know, kind of a little bit of a joke. This gentleman saving up all his gold, because he wanted, he said, if I can bring anything with me, let God, please let me bring my gold to heaven with me, because it's a sense of worth. I want to bring my gold. Then we got to the pearly gates, strolled up. Why do you have a bag of pavement? A bag of pavement with you. Now, I know it sounds like, all right, gold is a bag of pavement. But how do we know that? It's a bag of pavement. Revelations 21, 1, page 1041. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and earth had disappeared, so had the sea. The wall was built of jasper, and the city was made of pure gold, clear as crystal. Each of the gates was a solid pearl. The streets of the city were made of pure gold, clear as crystal. Gold is beautiful, but what is gold? Gold is, let me give you the exact from a PhD. There are many elements and metals in the world that God created. Gold is a metal, it's an element. It's shiny and pretty. Yes, by United States standards, We used to have $1 of gold in Fort Knox for every $1 that was in circulation in the United States. So there's a dollar worth of gold for every dollar. But dollars are just money. They have nothing to do with heaven. We can't buy our way in. Can't show up with bags of gold and say, Here, I trade you gold. God already has all the gold he could want. He's going to build the city streets of gold in the new heaven. We give a value to gold. But God talks about in Isaiah. He says people were melting it. People were putting it up on the the shelves. They were talking about it. They were praising. They were worshiping it. But has that changed? Has that changed? It may not be gold anymore because there's so little bit of gold. But those dollar bills that used to match the circulation of gold at Fort Knox, we now have far more dollars in circulation than we do have gold. But how many times do we worry so much about that money and missed so much because we put the money or the savings ahead of it. I want to tell you a little story. It's, not, it's a true story. It's about a gentleman that I worked with at one point in time. He grew up in a very tough neighborhood. He grew up in a home where everybody worked from paycheck to paycheck, lived from paycheck to paycheck. They didn't even know where the next meal was coming. You know, when they said, hey, where's my shoes? Oh, well, here's your brother's shoes. He outgrew them. You wear your brother's shoes. What about clothing? Well, here's your brother's clothing. One person got the new clothes and shared it with everybody else. And they accepted that, okay, this is how their lives were. Okay. But they knew Dad always worked. Worked very hard. And did everything he possibly could. He was very stern about money. Then he passed away. Once he passed away, there was no more family vacations. There was no memories of dad. So they started to clean out the house. Because mom could had to sell the house. She could no longer afford to try and have this house on her own. So they started cleaning the house up. And they went to one room. That was dad's room. Where dad was always in there, whatever. who wasn't playing fantasy football because... That wasn't fantasy football days. It was just, that was his room. Nobody was really allowed to go in. Well, so they went in there. It's kind of like, you know, let's go see what, you know, dad's been doing all these years. Your mother's like, ah, don't worry about your father. He was just, he was your father. That's great. They opened the closet door. The very first thing that they found in the closet was the money tree from their parents' wedding. The money was still attached to the tree. They went through their, they started, you know, going through their father's jacket pockets. There was checks that were never cashed. Never cashed these checks. So the mood started to change. They're starting to get a little bit aggravated with her father. Thinking, we struggled all these years. But yet dad had money that he wasn't even cashing the checks because he was so worried about spending that money. He let that money overcome his, take over his life and direct the life that his children were going to have. Now, you say, okay, that was a little bit of money. Haven't finished the story yet. So they're cleaning and they're going through stuff. All of a sudden, they get to the bed. As they get to the bed to flip the mattress over, to take it out of the house, there is $500,000 in cash underneath that bed. $500,000. He didn't trust banks because he grew up after the Depression. He didn't trust anybody else to save his money for him. So he held on to all of his money himself and kept it all in that room. What did he miss? Did he miss helping somebody? Did he miss taking his family on vacations? He missed so many great memories. This is what the family all of a sudden started to think about. If dad had all this money, why did we struggle all those years? Mom, why didn't you be able to, you know, why weren't you able to go on trips with your friends? Why weren't you able to go out and do these things? Why weren't we able to take family vacations? Our family vacations were to Revere Beach. It could have been to Disney World. Started getting very upset. The, the memory of their father is now tarnished because of the savings. Now, some people said, well, but he was saving for his wife. She now has money to live off of. She doesn't have to sell the house. She still sold the house because there was too many memories in the house. She still had money. But she said, I would trade every every penny, every penny that I have to have my husband back. That money didn't mean anything. It was more important to her. She would trade every single penny that was there to have more time with her husband, the love of her life. Money, we can't take it with us. Yes, there's a lot of great things, a lot of fun things that we can do. There's a lot of reasons why we should save. We absolutely need to save for our retirement. We need to save to make sure that we can pay the bills for the rainy day funds. God has created so many wonderful things for us. But how many of those wonderful things don't cost a penny? To see a miracle, to hear of God's work, and to be able to recognize that miracle when it happens as God's work. To see people be cured of cancer, to hear of people say, I had a brain tumor. I didn't do anything except pray. I went back to the doctor, and the doctor said, There is no brain tumor. There's so many times that we hear this. But to be able to recognize, to have God's word in our ear, to know that was God is incredible. And it cost not one penny. And I talked about possessions. Money and possessions is mentioned over 800 times in the Bible. God knew what we were going to be up against. That's why he put money and possessions so many times in the Bible. So as we start to wander, we have the ability to go back to it. Because it's God's word. Now, I've driven the $400,000 Lamborghini. I've driven a $400,000 Ferrari. We had the opportunity over three days to drive $2.2 million worth of cars. But when you're done driving those cars, guess what? They're just a car. Yes, they have a high value, and you're not very humble when you drive those. It's, look at me. It's just a car. It's fun. But then you go back to reality. If you have one of those cars, you have to pay for it. Then you have to pay the insurance on it. It's a status symbol. All it is is a status symbol, it's fun. But reality sets in really quickly. There's nothing greater than God's love. The feeling of God's love you can't put a price tag on that. But you, to get that love, that love is all around us every single day. But to feel it and to understand it, you've got to ask God to come into your heart. And that's through Jesus. When we talked about money, as mentioned 800 times, God's love is mentioned over 2,172 times in the Bible. And giving is mentioned over 2,100 times. Now, they talk, and the, I've listened to people talk about people that have, you know, been on drugs. Reason they continue to take the drug it is obviously addiction but what they're addicted to is the original high the very first high that they get when they very take the drug for the very first time they spend all this all their time trying to duplicate that same feeling and as you talk to many addict specialists and people that They specialize this in their lives. This is their livelihood. This is what they do. They said they can never experience that same high again. Now you say, why are you talking about that? What what relevancy does that have? Because the high that you get when you give your life to God, the incredible, incredible feeling when the Holy Spirit first comes to you is like no other. But guess what? It is something you can recognize again, and you get that feeling more than once. Because every single time that you see a miracle happening, you know that was from God. You feel that same exuberance over again. When you're reading God's Word, you know that feeling. It's like, ah. We're always, yes, yeah, still looking for the same exact feeling as that first day. Amazing grace, what an incredible sound, song. The moment I first believed, that is what the amazing grace is all about. It saved a wretch like me. And yes, a wretch. I talked about that in my last year's sermon. But God... No matter what is there waiting. John ten twenty nine, it's in page eight ninety seven in your pew Bible. My Father has given them to me. There is no greater than all. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. We talk about when we're saved, we're saved. When we're fully vested in our, retire- our eternal retirement, no, nobody can take that away. There's nothing you could do to make God so upset that he walks away from you. Because he will never walk away. Because we're not saved by works, We're saved by grace, and God's grace, and there's absolutely nothing that can duplicate that. Isaiah 9, eight through nine, God talks about there is only one God, and he is that God. He makes it very clear to us. Listen, you sinners and rebels, remember the former things, those of long ago, I am God, There is no one other. I am God, and there is no one like me. So let us not put anything out there that is anything other than God. Now, doing a little bit of research for this, I wanted to take a look at how the rest of America feels about God. Now, Pastor Rick has talked about, you know, New England is one of the most, the largest unchurched groups. The foundation of our country that was built on and God we trust is now one of the largest unchurched groups. But let's take a look at the rest of America. 61% of Americans believe that Jesus is divine. Goes with... I am God. God is telling us. The misconception, 64% say God accepts worship from all religions. That's according to LifeWay studies. From all religions. How can there only be one God as it says in God's word? But Everybody's not focused on God. So let's take a little bit of a deeper look. 52% of, Americans, 52% of Americans agree. The Bible alone is written in the Word of God. Bible alone, 52%. What are the things that, America, that 52% of Americans agree on? How much? I wasn't able to find much. of Americans agree that the Bible alone is written in the Word of God. 47% of that 52% believe that the Bible is 100% accurate. 100% accurate. So, pretty relevant to today. This study was done in 2016. So one of the things that I wanted, that's why I put a lot of verses into today's sermon, is I want to look at what God is saying, not what anybody's opinion is, not what, you know, what a survey tells us, you know, because a survey can be skewed either way. Or it's people's opinions. The Bible, and I believe that Bible is 100% accurate and is 100% written in God's Word. Let's take a look at God's word. Let's start with Acts 4 through 412. Acts 4 verse 12. It's on page 912. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's God's word. There is one name. What is that name? John 3:16, page 888. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Eternal salvation eternal retirement so that whoever believeth in him shall have everlasting life Matthew page I'm sorry Matthew 3:16 page 808 As soon as Jesus was baptized he went up out of the water at the moment at that moment heaven was opened And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and a lightning on him. And the voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love with all I am pleased. These are all God's words. God has given us the roadmap to our eternal salvation. He is showing us the way through his word. It's not a temporary state. Once you're saved, you are saved. Once you come to ask Christ into your heart. God talked about it earlier in John. Jesus talked about it earlier. That no one, nothing, can snatch you away from what God has given to Jesus. Jesus. Follow up with, see what Jesus has to say. John 14, 6, page 901. Jesus said to him, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. These are words of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Him and God have made it very clear. There is only one way. There is only one God. God will never leave us. He is with us from the beginning, and he will stay with us through our life. There are times that we're going to wander, but he's not going to leave. There's times that we feel that we've made him so mad. Personally, there's times that I say, God, how can you still love me? but yet he doesn't leave. He gave me an awakening. I'll talk about it in just a minute. But for 100% certainty, I believe Jesus is the way. I have 100% faith in telling you today that Jesus is the way and that he is the only way to God. And he is the only way for your eternal life retirement, to be secured. Now, I said a few minutes ago I was going to talk about God gave me a wake-up call. There was many, 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 well, how long have I been coming here? 14 years? So about 14 years and one week ago, I had a dream. I fell asleep. I was sleeping, and next thing I knew, I was on an airplane. I was on a plane going somewhere. I don't know. I don't remember where I was going. And all of a sudden, the plane rocked to the left, rocked to the right, rocked to the left. And next thing I knew, the plane was going down. The plane crashed. When the plane crashed, next thing I knew, I was in this beautiful field beautiful group of woods, and there was a cottage. I was very confused. I knew a plane had crashed, so I knew there was a good chance I was dead. And this gentleman came out with these books, had these books in his hands, that it was judgment. It was my judgment time. Whew, starting to get a little scared. I'm like, ah, oh, this is just a dream. Then it was just, nothing changed, no feelings changed. I really got, I got to the point where I accepted. I was like, I'm really dead. And I started crying out to God. God, I want to be able to tell my family I love them. I want to say goodbye. I love my family. There was nothing. The gentleman was just standing there in a white robe with the books under his arms. I asked, I said, what's in those books? He said, everything that you've done your entire life is in these books. Okay. Um, So started crying to the Lord God give me another opportunity give me a chance to make it right and that man just started walking walking with me to that cottage to go learn my judgment my eternal judgment I continued to cry and beg to the Lord and all of a sudden I'm in my bed at my house. Literally in the dream, I had accepted the fact that I was dead. I had accepted that fact. And I was scared to death to learn what my judgment was. And all of a sudden, after accepting the fact that you're dead, waking up in your bed, in your house, it is a scary thought. But then, overwhelming me was God saying, "What did you just say? You're going to make a difference. You're going to change. You're going to stop the crap that you've been pulling." Because I was under the belief of being saved at such a young age. You're saved, check. Well, yeah, it is in that order. You're saved. You're saved by God's grace. Then you're doing the works. It's not, hey, you're saved, you're good, go back to sinning, go back to being a sinner, you're saved. Pastor Rick has talked about that many times, and there's many times in the Bible it talks about that. So I was on the wrong, excuse me, the wrong track. And God so loved me, he gave me that dream to kickstart me back on the right track, put me back on the right road because he has great plans for me. And I can't reach those great plans, I can't follow his word or his will if I'm off on a wrong track. So I woke up and God's word back in my ear saying, remember what you said, remember what you said, okay. One week later on a Sunday I came to First Baptist Church and knew immediately when I walked through that door, God was here, and it was on the right path that God had set for me. Now I never, in that dream, you say, "Well, what about your eternal retirement?" Why, well, it's fully vested. God wasn't saying, "Hey, here's your," there's any need to worry. It's a restart because you're already saved by grace. Now, let's get you back to doing the works that I call you to do. Okay, God. So then he gave me another dream many, 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 many years later. In this dream, it was Judgment Day again. But it was Judgment Day for the world. For the world. So everybody was lined up in these long, long, long lines. It was like walking into an airport. It was actually like walking into an airport. But as soon as you walked through the, you know, the metal detector in the airport, you got your final judgment. As soon as you went through that, air, that metal detector, your final judgment was given then and there. It was either heaven, it said heaven up on the metal detector, or it said hell. No ands, ifs, or buts about it. There is no ands, ifs, or buts about it. There's no pleading when you get to final judgment you either know Christ as your lord and savior and your name is in the book of life as God speaks about in the bible the book of life your either name's in there because you know Christ as your lord and savior or your name is not there's no bargain god made that very clear i talked earlier about you know it's free will God allows us to have that free will. But we were not born to go it alone. We have an amazing God and Lord and Savior just waiting for us to ask them to come into our lives so that he, our Lord Jesus, can open our ears to hear God's word to open our eyes to see God's will in our lives. The Bible makes it very clear. As I said at the beginning, I want you to think about 100 years from now, because time will pass, and that 100 years from now will come. There's many many of us that won't even make it to opening the time capsule that's outside in 2065. But is your retirement, is your eternal retirement fully vested because your faith in the Lord Jesus? Now as we pray, I wanna close in prayer. But I ask that everybody, bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you are here today and you want to ask the Lord to come into your heart to come into your life, just raise your hand. One of the elders will come pray with you. I will come pray with you. But I want to give everybody the opportunity just to feel that this is between them and God. That's why I'm asking you if everyone to bow your head and close your eyes. As I pray. And if you want God, if you want to ask God to come into your life and your heart, please just raise your hand, and one of us will come and pray with you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you do, Lord. We accept and we know that we are all sinners. And none of us could live the perfect life. And we know that it's not works that we're saved by, Lord. We know that our Savior is Jesus. God, I ask right now that you come into our lives. Come into our hearts. Lead us into the direction, Lord, that you want. Because we give it all to you, Lord. We give it all to you. Now keep your heads bowed in prayer. Just for the next minute, we're going to have a quick just minute. Turn your lives to God. If God is your Savior, talk to him. He is there. Whatever hurt that you have or whatever fears, turn them over to God. Because he will take them away. we give praise and thank you, Lord, for your love and what you have done for us on that cross. It's because of you that we have the opportunity to an eternal salvation and an eternal retirement with you, Lord, in the new heaven and the new earth. We give praise and thanks. It's in Jesus' holy, precious name that we ask this and pray this. Amen.